your story as well. Hey, hey, hey there, Anne. So uh, this is my wife, Christy. My name's uh, Danny. And um, we'd love to uh, just uh, share some thoughts with you about this idea of uh, uh, dating. Um, over to Christy. We're going to have a bit of a discussion here as well. We're going to go back and forward. And we're going to have, a, um, uh, I suppose, a, a bit of an insight into what worked for us and the things that we've learnt along the way. So, over to you. Thank you. Little intro. Um, we met each other in 1995. <laughs> it's quite a long time ago when you say it like that. And um, we have a confession to make. The irony of us talking to you about dating is um, we hardly did any of it. So <laughs> we're not very experienced at dating, is the truth. Um, but we did some things well, because we've now been married for 21 and a half years. So some of what we did must have worked, is what I'm saying. So um, Denny did want, have one girlfriend before me. So I had to wait until that was done. <laughs> so you have more dating experience than I do. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, we got married in 1999 after uh, dating for nine months and then being engaged for nine months. And um, then we got married. And um, I think one of, the, one of the main reasons we wanted to let you know that our dating worked and that our marriage worked is that our parents prayed for us so diligently. And um, that's something we were aware of at the time. Uh, we were young, we were uh, 18 and 17 when we met and just 20 when we got married. And so it was, a, um, it was really amazing being aware of uh, our parents praying for us. And whether you're here in the room or watching online tonight, you might not have Christian parents that uh, would be praying for you, are able to do that. Uh, but I'm sure there are people in your world that you can ask to pray into whatever scenario you're in at the moment. Because having someone pray and intercede for you is a really important part of our Christian faith. Yep. and our Christian walk. So I'd encourage you to do that right from the beginning. Um, there's a photo. There's a photo. Aww. Aww. That's a, a long time ago. Uh, that's a long time ago when Christy could put her arms around me. <laughs> so one of, one of the things that we do is uh, we work at Wellview our Worldview Centre for Intercultural Studies is a really interesting place where we come together and uh, there are students that come from all over the world and we experience different things. And um, uh, we live there and we work there, we're on staff there, and one of the things that we've learned, uh, we've been there for seven years, is this idea that actually um, we uh, are experiencing the, the, the idea of dating from a Western point of view. That, that is the lens with which we see the world. Um, and you would be surprised, maybe you, you, you're aware of this already, uh, but in other cultures, in other contexts, actually dating looks very different to the way that you and I might perceive dating right now. So we might even go to the extreme and talk about arranged marriages, or we might go to, to, the, to you know, also Korea, for example, South Korea, where there might be some relationships that are, that are formed 
with families sort of making arrangements for this for this couple, potential couple, to, to go on a blind date. That might be another scenario as well. So that really leads us to the first point. Uh, the first point being that uh, we date in the context of our culture. So you and I are locked into a time and place. Uh, you and I are part of a, of a, of a context that is, uh, embodies language, um, culture, uh, religion as well, um, family, um, history also plays a part in the forming of our context. And so um, we exist in this context that's part of your story, it's part of my story. And just because you're a Christian uh, doesn't necessarily mean that you are devoid of, of uh, any context. Uh, you look at the life of Jesus. Jesus came and lived on earth and he, he spoke Aramaic. He spent time uh, walking because there were no vehicles. He wore sandals because that's what you wore at the time. Um, he treated people according to the customs and in the language and in the, in, the, in the way that it ought to be done because he was in a, he was in a time and place. And so are you and me. And so when, we, when we're talking about dating, we've got to recognize that we, have, we are viewing this through the lens um, of our experience and everything that, that has been passed on to us. Now, when it comes to looking at the Bible, though, uh, there is nothing that talks about dating in the Bible. The word doesn't appear in the Bible. And so when it comes to dating and our relationship with Jesus and our relationship with other, this other person that we're interested in, we're asking ourselves the question, what, what can we do? Um, how do I go about finding out what the Bible says um, in terms of uh, spending time with this person? And even though the Bible might not say a lot about dating, it actually says a lot about relationships. And that really leads to um, our second point, and that is that the way that you handle dating now will really set the tone for how you handle all the other aspects that will come your way in your relationship. So, for example, um, if you find yourself in a, in a relationship and the way that you are dating will set the tone for the way in which you might look at getting married, for example. Uh, once that's done, you might consider uh, maybe job opportunities, or it might be uh, this idea of buying a, a house or it might be actually starting a family. So the way that you date now uh, will really uh, sets the tone or the picture for how things are going to look for your relationship moving forward. So how do we do that? So I was just going to share uh, four things that I think we identified fairly early, not that we were experts in dating, we were very young. Um, as I said, I first met Danny when he was 17. I thought he was the most interesting person I'd ever met. He grew up in Europe, he was a musician, he barely said a word. <laughs> he just stood on the like, side of youth group and just watched, and I thought, wow, he's so interesting. <laughs> I still think you're super interesting. Um, but I very soon realised we had absolutely nothing in common. Nothing. Other than being Jesus followers, which we were both at the time, we had nothing in common. Um, he was very quiet. I was very loud. Danny was like very, he would hold back on his opinions. Everybody knew mine, just without even asking, because I would just tell everyone. Very, very different people. But as we got to know each other, we realised an important thing was to encourage each other, but also to be interested intentionally in the other person. So when you date, 
you can often feel very focused on yourself. How do I look? What do I sound like? Does this person think, you know, how is this going? And actually the key to healthy relationships is being interested in the other person. Who are they? What do they like? What, what brings them joy? What makes them really sad? What's hurting right now? What's hard? Those are the things that help develop good communication, good awareness of who this other person is, and helps develop communication strategies that's going to help them know who you are too. And that brings encouragement, the opportunity to, to say, I really love how you do this, and I'm, I'm just so grateful I get to see you do that and be a part of this. So encouraging someone that you're friends with or dating um, or married to is a really important way of building a relationship that's going to take you a long way and help you deal with the things that come next. Um, conflict, dealing with conflict is the next one. Um, friends have conflict, so do people that date, surprise, and so do people that get married. And if you can deal with conflict early on and well, well, the future just looks very different. So uh, we, um, I think we've had so much good advice over the years. We really have. And um, a couple of the things we do is we intentionally choose some really good phrases. Uh, I guess they're like tools of engagement. So when we know there's a conflict or something really important to talk about, we engage these tools. We watched a movie once, it was a comedy, and one of the characters said to another character, you are tired and confused. And it was hilarious and we moved on. But actually, it's a phrase we use when you realise you're really grumpy and if we have a conversation, it's going to go very badly. So now, we can say to each other, you're really tired and confused, which we know means let's not talk anymore because it's going to end badly. So that's one of the tools that we use. Uh, the other one was given to us by uh, Dr. Brene Brown, who you um, may know. She's an author and um, TED Talk person. And she uses this beautiful uh, phrase about the story you're telling yourself. And it's a very healthy strategy to use. When you're talking to another person, someone that means something very deeply to you, it's an important person you love, and to be able to be vulnerable with them and say, actually, the story I'm telling myself about what you think right now or what you're going to say or what you mean is this. And maybe eight times out of ten, it's quite wrong. <laughs> Not a clue, even close to the truth. But it allows us to communicate well and to share with each other vulnerably. One of the, one of the things that uh, has come up for us uh, uh, recently uh, in the development and looking at new leaders and discipleship and so on is the reality that for you guys, most of you guys, um, businesses and companies, this is Simon Sinek, um, whom we are familiar with uh, through the Global Leadership Summit, um, just spoke on Facebook recently talking about the fact that the younger generation that, um, that are more engaged with, uh, with online um, social engagement services um, actually uh, lack the skills to be able to engage, especially in conflict. Um, and actually, um, guys and girls that are, might be in a relationship, um, instead of uh, actually meeting up and talking about what the disagreement is, 
uh, they're finding themselves just, you know, unfriending each other on, on Facebook or what have you and finding out the, the hard way. And so uh, Simon is, is highlighting the fact that uh, businesses now are having, having to um, uh, invest, if you like, a lot of time and energy and resources in training the generations that are coming up on actually how to deal with people, how to engage with each other. So if that's happening at a business level, how much more important is it for it to happen at a relational level, at a one-on-one -on -one level, uh, when you're going out with someone? Hmm. Um, we talked about having little in common. Uh, it works really well both ways. People can have great relationships and great uh, dating experiences if they have lots in common, absolutely. So if you find you are friends or dating someone who has a lot in common, that's awesome. But it also works if you have nothing in common at all. Both work and you, can, um, you don't have to find someone who ticks all the boxes about things that you like together. Um, we are a great example of that. Is there anything we both like doing now? Yeah, there's lots of things. Uh, yep. <laughs> but to start with, nothing at all. Um, yeah. It works equally well both ways. Don't be put off by thinking you have to find someone just like you because that's not how it works. Each relationship is unique and each has its um, different flavour and colour. Um, my last point in this section um, is compromise. So um, compromise is part of every relationship that you are in in life, whether you realise it or not. And I think there's a tendency uh, in dating especially and in marriage to see compromise as a failure and it really isn't. Um, so if I come to, you, to Danny and say this is a really important decision and Danny has an opposite view and one of us has to compromise, that's the way relationships should work. Mm. Both of us may need to, one of us may need to, that's called humility and being interested enough in the other person to find a way through that process. But often we hear about people that come to very significant or sometimes very small decisions in friendship, dating or marriage, and they come to a, compromise, a, a, a conflict that requires compromise. And they say, well, if I have to give this up, that's too much. And it's a failure, so obviously we should move apart. Obviously, that's the end of our relationship because we don't love each another to love each other enough to come to the same conclusion. No, you can love each other enough to be able to come to a conclusion that works mm. for your relationship, that works so that you can move forward. Compromise should be a part of your relationship. It should be a part of how you date. And I don't mean compromising your values or your integrity or your purity. I mean compromising so that you can both agree to go forward in a way that's positive for your relationship and positive for those around you. So compromise is not a bad thing. Yeah. So we had three points and we prayerfully considered about these and we spent time with the Lord just uh, trying to work through what it is that we've learned and uh, hopefully impart to you. So the first one, again recapping, is that we date in context. So it's part of our culture, it's okay to date, but the invitation is to go, how do I do this in a way that honours Jesus in light of his kingdom and in light of his principles versus what the world says? So that the, that's the first point. The second one being that um, 
the way that you handle dating now will set the tone for the way that you um, handle other um, uh, things that come up in your relationship. And then just the final point is that um, together in community includes dating. And so um, really what we're highlighting here is that we want to be Jesus-centered, we want to be others-focused, and we want to do this together in community. And that has to include dating. We, we, we shouldn't um, actually take dating out of that context because it's actually unnatural. Uh, it's, it's normal and acceptable uh, for attraction to take place. Uh, and um, when it comes to dating, we ought not to actually exclude someone from the circle because they've started dating, but rather actually invite them into the circle. And actually, a healthy community is a community that has all sorts of people. Uh, it'll have married people, it'll have single people, it'll have dating people, it'll have broken-hearted people because their relationship didn't work out. Mm. Um, and so that's our third point, is the fact that when we're talking about Door of Hope being together in community, we ought to have the skills to be able to um, allow for dating to take place, uh, for me to invite these people into my circle, uh, for them who are dating to do the same for me. Mm. I think uh, dating in community provides opportunity for growth. Living in community provides opportunity for growth. Uh, we get to uh, do community with some awesome, awesome single people that teach me so much about living well and living with Jesus. And I get to do community with married people who teach me a lot too. And when you're dating, this community, Door of Hope, or whichever church that you attend regularly, has mentors there just waiting for you. You don't necessarily have to go and sign them up, but you get to observe how married people talk to each other, how they talk to their children, how they respond to each other in conflict. Um, I'll tell you a story. Can I, do I have time for a story? So when Danny and I started volunteering at Door of Hope, we used to roster each other separately because we were really no, bad. We started together first. Oh, we did. Yeah. And then it, it didn't always work because I was a bit bossy, Danny got a bit annoyed. And so we rostered each other separately. But over time, we realized that we actually complemented each other really well. And we got to work in partnership. And one of the reasons was that we saw other people working well together. And we sort of got trained just by osmosis, by watching you know, uh, people on team that were married work and just listening to them interact. And it's like, okay, I might try that. And then we moved back and we would often or nearly always want to work together because we became a really great team. We became a partnership that wanted to do things and actually worked really well together. So working, dating and having our marriage in community meant that we could learn and grow and be better. And being in a culture that is inclusive allows us to not have to exclude people or feel like we need to step back because suddenly we're a couple and it's different and I can't be in that same group, you know? Uh, community allows us to draw so much from each other. That was an accident, by the way, that Jesus centered others focused together in community. We got to the end and we went, oh, look at that. Look at that. It's just so in there, isn't it? But one of the, one of the important things about community is that um, this is where the Holy Spirit um, really um, comes to life, if you like, or 
um, heightens the reality of Jesus for our faith. And so um, we tend to approach uh, many aspects of our life. So coming back to worldview again, this idea of the lens through which I see the world is very individualistic. That's just the nature of our world uh, in the West. Um, and there's lots more we could talk about that. Um, and so when it comes to dating, we approach this individualistically as well. Mm. Um, but actually in community, this is where we find Jesus. This is where we actually notice Jesus in the other person. This is where um, the Holy Spirit brings to uh, our attention how Jesus functions in, in all of our relationships. Um, in your life when you are single or, or divorced. In your life when you are dating for the first time. In, in this life over here, uh, with a, uh, a great marriage and, and great family. Um, we see Jesus um, in, uh, in those people. And that's what uh, brings us together. There's a, certain, there's a certain harmony, there's a certain peace that comes uh, when people uh, interact with each other. And it reminds us of a kingdom. Uh, it reminds us of uh, what Jesus came to proclaim, that there is a different way to live. So rather than pushing people out, we ought to be including them. And dating is a very, very powerful way of doing that. You can be an example for younger people who haven't dated yet and are just sort of emerging into that space. Um, you can rely on older people who have done this before. And so there's this incredible uh, network, there's an incredible uh, synthesis, if you like, and that's the, the work of the Holy Spirit that does mm. that. So we want to leave you with some questions. And the first one that I would ask is, where are you at? How is Christ uh, being shown to others in your relationships? Um, you might be dating or you might be single, you might be married. Um, we all have this challenge of relationships. And as I invite the band up, um, I want to ask you another question. How are you um, honouring each other in these relationships? Um, how are you bringing worship to God through these relationships? And so um, the responsibility is all of ours, no matter what your relationship status is. But for you who are dating, this is a very, very important point. How are you going to honour each other? How are you going to honour Jesus through this process? Maybe you're not dating yet. Maybe you're in the, on the pathway to, to, that, to that point. Um, how are you going to honour the process? How are you going to honour Jesus through that? So um, I'd like to pray. We're going to both pray. And why don't we all stand together? Um, and the reason we're both going to pray is because um, I see things differently, but then Christy sees things slightly from a different angle. And so we're going to speak into this. We want to stand together in community and we want to be an example to our Launceston city um, about how we do life in the kingdom and especially when it comes to, to dating. So why don't we pray together? So Father, we want to thank you for the chance, uh, first of all, for the service and the chance to be able to, uh, for this series, for these weeks that are, have uh, started and are going to move on, uh, be able to explore what dating looks like. Uh, tonight, and we hand that over to you, Father. Where am I at with my relationships? How am I honouring you? How am I honouring others? How am I worshipping you in the way that I interact with single people, with those that are dating? Uh, but for the couples that are here tonight that are dating, uh, watching online, Lord, I pray that you would bless them, first of all, that you would be able to empower them that you would give them tools and language to be able to communicate with each other, to be able to rely on others that have done it before, mm -hmm. to be able to include others in their relationships. 
uh, in their network. And so, Lord, may these relationships here at Door of Hope, those watching online, may they be an example of what it means to follow Jesus uh, to those especially that don't know you, Father. Uh, our world is a broken world. There are lots of challenges, Lord. And um, we need great examples of how to do life. And um, when um, th there are people that are dating, that's a great opportunity to demonstrate to our broken world that there is a light, there is a hope, uh, and that we have faith in the name of Jesus. Mm. So, Lord, I pray a blessing on those, on those um, couples in Jesus' mm. name. Amen. And, Lord, I thank you for our message from last week. Lord, the beautiful, amazing single people among us, those who choose to be single, those who enjoy this life of living with you, Lord, we thank you for them. Would you bless them? And Lord, for those who may not even think that dating will ever be in their future, that there's fear, there's hurt, there's brokenness, there's anxiety, there's shame and guilt, Lord, we ask that you would, your Holy Spirit would come around these people and share your love, joy, peace with them. Lord, would you mend them from the inside out? Would you bring healing and purpose for whatever you want for them? But Lord, I ask, would you help us to do life in community? Would you help us to look for that, that person on the outside of the circle and draw them in? Would you help us not remove ourselves, God, intentionally, but to stay connected with you and your family. Thank you for the body of Christ, the way you designed us to do life together. We're all different, but we all have a place with you. And we look forward to what Winnie's going to share um, as we continue on this topic. God, would you open our eyes to see what you're doing and our ears to listen. In your name, amen. 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 Thanks, team. All right. I want to talk to you today about the ABC of dating. You ready? <laughs> All right. Um, dating, as a word, may not appear in the Bible, but it appears in the Chinese language. So in Cantonese, we say pak to. Everybody say pak to. Pak to. So you go pak to when you are single with your boyfriend and girlfriend. When you're married, you go pak to with your spouse. So we go pak to, okay? So the ABC of dating. Very quickly, A is for attraction. Everybody say attraction. Attraction is the beginning of to a romantic relationship in our culture, isn't it? We love it. That's why we love rom-coms. That's why we love romantic novels. And guys, you know, even those who are so manly and they're like, no, we don't like romantic things. Why did they have to make Braveheart so romantic? I think Braveheart is the most romantic movie ever made. I really think so. All right, so attraction is not just it's wonderful. You know, you, you have the fluttering in your tummy, the heart races, and the mind goes blank, and the mouth goes dry, all of that. It's, it's not just wonderful, it's incredibly powerful. Let me read to you a Bible story, uh, well, a Bible passage, um, about one of our Bible heroes, King David, and his attraction. In the spring of the year, late one afternoon, after his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. Recipe for disaster. Don't do that. As he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. At which point he should have shut his eyes and walked away. 
but he kept looking. And then he sent someone to find out who she was, and he was told she is Bathsheba. I love her name. <laughs> and the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite, at which point he should like totally like run away. But no, he brought her in, he slept with her, and he made her pregnant, and then he tried to trick the husband to think that the baby was his, and when that didn't work, he arranged for the husband to be killed. Then he was like, great, now I marry her. So he married her, and then tragedy after tragedy unfolded. David, our King David, he must have been so attracted to Bathsheba, knowing it was wrong on so many levels. He pursued her. The Bible says, can I have the scripture on, please? Um, on, in 2 Timothy 2.22, you can keep it on the whole time for the ABC, okay? Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the name of the Lord with pure hearts. David should have run from this, right? But instead of running from it, he ran towards it. Um, now, we all experience attraction, not just as single people, as married people too. Do you know that married people get attracted to people who are not their spouses? <gasps> Even Christian married people? <gasps> the switch doesn't get turned off when you're married, okay? It is still there. Um, regardless of our status, okay, we sometimes get attracted to people we should not be with. True? Have you been attracted to someone you should not be with? Okay, no, don't nod. Just do the, do the inside nod. Don't yell amen, okay? Um, I'm saying that this because I think when we come to dating and relationships, sometimes we make the mistake of thinking attraction is everything. Attraction is everything. Therefore, it rules and controls us and every decision we make. Just because we feel attraction does not mean we need to act on it because we're not animals. Everybody say, we're not animals. I'm a human being. Very good. It says in uh, the book of Jude 1.19, um, that people who don't follow God, they follow their natural instincts because they don't have God's spirit in them. But we have God's spirit in us, don't we? So we don't need to follow our basic instincts, okay? And the Holy Spirit lives in us, and one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is self-control. That means even when we feel attraction, we can manage the attraction. So, a, so because God is greater than your attraction. Everyone said, that was my punchline. Did it so bad. Everyone say, God is greater than my attraction. So let's just say it, God is greater than my attraction. Okay, all right, that didn't work. All right, so A is for attraction. Manage your attraction. How do you manage it? First, pray. Okay, that's how I managed my attraction to Tim. I went to my youth pastor. I like Tim. And then she said, pray. So I did. Very good girl. I prayed. And so you pray. You come to God. God, I really like him. He's so cool. He stands around, doesn't say a word, and he's lived in Europe, you know. <laughs> he's so cool. Yeah. 
Is, is he right for me? Am I right for him? Is this the right time for us to be together? Is this a good thing? And after you've prayed, apply some common sense. Okay, is he good for me? Am I good for him? Uh, is this a good time? Um, just, just think, have common sense, okay? And thirdly, get godly counsel. Go to your community, those who are um, within your community who are spiritually more mature, maybe the married couples or whoever, you know, or, or, or more mature singles, just go to them and get godly counsel. So manage your attraction. So ABC of, relate, uh, of dating. A is for attraction, manage your attraction. B is for boundaries. Everyone say boundaries. I notice that there are children in the room. I, I, we do this in our house. We close our eyes and we close our ears at different things when we are watching Netflix. Would you mind closing the ears of your children for this part? Just a short part, okay? All right. So, don't pretend, Pastor Ollie. You know exactly what I'm going to talk about. So, you, you are with your boyfriend or your girlfriend at home by yourself watching Netflix. Just the two of you. You're holding hands. And then he does the, you're, oh, and, and then there is a little hug, and then you start kissing, and you start necking, and then the hand goes and do treasure hunting. <laughs> At which point, are the ears still closed? At which point, your brain no longer functions. Okay, the ears, the fingers can come off now. The, the ears are safe now. At, at this point, your brain no longer functions. What functions? Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> you know what I mean. Certain part of your body will make all your decisions for you. So if you put yourself in said situation, I'm going to tell you, no matter how holy you are, no matter how well you play the drums for God, your hormones will keep you going all the way, okay? So run from anything uh, that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the name of the Lord with pure hearts. Don't put yourself in compromising and tempting situations. Remember, no matter how holy you are, it's biology, Okay, so Tim and I, before we were married, we set that. We were like, okay, so what are some situations we will not put ourselves in? And we agreed on that. Now, if you end up marrying this person, it's great. It's like the funnel, you know? It's like funnel turned upside down, you know? It's like you limit yourself for when you're dating and when you're married. Voila! You can do anything you want, and it's great. And you've got your whole world, your whole life to enjoy what God's given you. But don't turn the funnel this way, where you just have everything, and then you get married, and it's like, oh, so boring. Yeah, so, um, and if you don't end up marrying each other, you're keeping your physical boundaries now is honoring your future marriage and their future marriage. Can I speak from experience here a little bit? It can be incredibly awkward when, uh, when you're married to be hanging out with your ex and their spouse and their children at Hope Camp. I can feel some people going, because it's, I'm telling you, it's from experience. It, it happens. It's the reality for people like my age, right? So on that note, be careful how you treat each other 
Yeah. Whatever you do in your dating, if you don't end up marrying each other, just think of church camp. All right. <laughs> Be careful also how you treat each other. You know when we have crushes on people, and okay, I, I was very, very guilty of this. When people had crushes on me, I was, guys, guys had crushes on me. I um, was very mean and manipulative, and I would use them. Don't do that because you never know what will happen in the future. They might end up being your boss. They might end up being your brother or sister-in-law, the teacher of your kids, and they might end up being at church camp. So um, <laughs> it's Tasmania after all. You never know. Just bear the future in mind. So A, manage your attraction. B, boundaries. Set physical boundaries. Oh, I forgot. I missed out the most important part <laughs> in setting physical boundaries. Right. The whole point of me telling you the beginning bit where you have to close your eyes is, yes, is that you need to decide together when you start dating where your boundary is. Are you going to stop at holding hands? Are you going to stop at the hug? Are you going to stop at the kiss? Because you don't want to put yourself in a situation where your brain no longer functions, okay? Thirdly, so A is attraction, B is boundaries, set physical boundaries, and C is companionship. Run from anything that simulates youthful lust, instead pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the name of the Lord with pure hearts. Don't be so intense. Are you the one? Are you the one? Tick, 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 tick. Oh, you're not the one? Don't be so intense. I've done that, so I, I'm telling you. Don't be so intense. Just chill out, hang out, have fun, um, get to know each other. And you know what? You want to be able to hang out and have fun because if you can't do that now, imagine being married to that person. So if you can have fun now, when you're married, you can still have fun, right? You want to have that. And um, do that out of a pure heart. No, and if you end up not marrying that person, you want to know that you've added value to them. You've helped them grow in the Lord. You have helped them to become better people. And that way, when you meet at church camp, it'll be wonderful. <laughs> All right? So... A is for attraction, manage your attraction. B is for boundaries, set physical boundaries. And C is for church camp. No, it's for companionship. <laughs> Hang out, have fun, and value each other. E each other's... Oh, my, I'm sorry, I'm totally out. Hang out, have fun, and keep your hearts pure. All right, thank you. I'd like to invite the band up. <laughs> 